Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Our speaker this morning, Daryl, lives in Lake County. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he didn't think I was going to tell you that, did he? But he does have a connection through his wife to the assembly over at Bear Lake. So that's where they have chosen to be a part of the fellowship. We're happy to have him with us today. They've been, how long have you been down in, uh, in Florida? Four, four years, but uh, 20 years way before that. Yeah, we joke about this. He actually grew up, you're none of you here, we're going to pay me landing, though, Central Gospel Chapel. He grew up not too far from Central Gospel Chapel in Miami, uh, way, way back when. But anyways, we're very happy to have Daryl flow with us, and we're going to turn to our meeting, our Bible instruction time over to Daryl Bacon at this time. Brother Daryl. Thank you. Oh, sorry. What an introduction. Not <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, the remote. Yes. Yeah, you have to have a course. Did you take the course yet? No. <laughs> that, that one on the right to advance it, I believe. Okay. I tried. Not that works. All I, right. I want to go back. Okay. Beautiful. If you want, there's a pointer on there, too. Okay. Uh, I, was, I was thinking the last time I was here, it was pre-COVID days. And, of course, now we're, shall we say, post-COVID, not quite, but, but we're, we're getting there. Well, a lot has happened, of course, since then with COVID and all of the strife with that and the misery. And then, of course, we had an election and there's so much corruption we're, we're witnessing, always have in politics, of course, but it just seems to be in intensifying and the world is going more and more downhill and we can understand Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 in the last days perilous times will come well we're heading in that direction and so I'd like for us to start off with first Peter chapter 3 verse 22 now I was directed to this passage about six months ago as a result of a Choice Gleanings devotional. And it gave me great encourage, encouragement in light of all of the stuff that is going on in our world today. 1 Peter 3.22, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven... And is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Now that choice gleanings devotional focused on the fact that even though there's so much going on around us, and I I don't think the author of that devotional had COVID or politics in mind. It's as he looked back in history. There are, there's always been uncertainty, unrest, corruption, and so forth. At any rate, despite all of this going on around us, we have one who is presently on the right hand of God. We can take great comfort in that. Angels, authorities, powers being made subject unto him. 
He is in control of all. He knows the end from the beginning, and we can take utmost confidence in him. And despite the instability that may be going on and in our lives sometimes, we can just keep on trusting, leaning on him to see us through till he comes to take us home to be with him. Now, as I was thinking of that passage, uh, yes, that, that was a great devotional, and I don't lay that aside. But I, I looked at that first phrase, who is gone into heaven. And I looked at the second phrase, is on the right hand of God. After thinking about that, hmm, this deals with the ascension, gone into heaven. He is on the right hand of God, and I just tied in the ascension with the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and rightly so. I thought, you know, I need to get into the Word and see a little more of what it speaks of in regard to the ascension and exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I would challenge you as I was challenged. You know when a little phrase comes up? I need to learn more about that. Well, you might be in a reading through the Bible series, but, you know, it's gone into heaven. I don't know a lot about that. Write it down and then maybe some other time, look more into that subject that is brought to your attention. Uh, it's good to be inquisitive. It's good to have curiosity. And through our questions, what does this mean? We can grow in our Lord Jesus Christ. But of course, there is more to it than just what does this mean? What are the inferences for us the ascension and the exaltation as we live in these last days. And in this case, what does it mean for the Godhead? Um, There are some results because of the Lord's ascension and now his exaltation. So our purpose of today's message and as we study the Word of God together, I want to look at these two subjects from four standpoints. I'd like for us to look at some initial aspects of the ascension and exaltation. Things such as the definition of both of these terms and then what do these things infer? Um, Terms like we, we read even some different terms than what I have in the King James. Andy read from Acts chapter 1, verses 9 and 11, uh, a different uh, labeling of the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll come to that in just a, a moment. I would like for us to look at the fact that the ascension and exaltation of the Lord Jesus was fulfilled prophetically prophesied in the Old Testament, and then it actually occurred in the New Testament. And what kind of encouragement and instruction can we get from from such prophecy being fulfilled? What are the outcomes for the Godhead? All three members of the Godhead, in fact. 
What are the outcomes for you and I as saints in this day of grace in the church? And then, of course, what should the responses from the Christian be? Responses with trust of obedience, of submission to what God reveals to us in his word. So first of all, let's take a look at the ascension. And we uh, eventually, we're going to come to Acts chapter 1, which Andy read. So you could turn there now, Acts 1, 9 through 11. What does the word ascension mean? It is the act of being elevated, proceeding to a higher level or place. What a trip it must have been for the Lord Jesus to ascend, to go to the right hand of the Father. I believe this was different from the so-called ascension, if we can label it as that, different from Enoch and Elijah who were translated up because our Lord Jesus Christ, when he ascended, he went far above all principality and power. Uh, He was not just a mere human being, a sinner like Enoch and Elijah. No, this was the Son of God who had accomplished a victory as Son of Man, and of course, Him being God, man, in the, in, the, in the flesh, accomplishing a victory. And because of that, He's highly exalted. So, proceeding to a higher level uh, and place. There were many eyewitnesses in this uh, chapter, in Acts chapter 1, essentially the uh, apostles, I believe 11 apostles at, at that point. If you look back into Luke chapter 24, and we don't have a, uh, enough time to search out all of these scriptures, but look in Luke chapter 24, um, which gets into the fact that there were many other eyewitnesses in addition to the disciples slash apostles. So here in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, we read, uh, they beheld King James. And you read in verse 10, they looked steadfastly. Perhaps this is referring entirely to the apostles, but there were others uh, involved witnessing this event. Keep in mind that Acts is a, is a um, continuing narrative of the book of Luke. Luke, of course, wrote the Gospel of, of Luke. He wrote the Acts of the Apostles. Acts continues on where he left off, where Luke left off in the Gospel of Luke. The importance of eyewitnesses. Why is that important? Of course, in courtrooms these days, always has been, eyewitness testimonies are very important. It establishes credibility as to an actual event, that something authentically, 
did occur. And it certainly was the case with the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this was not science fiction. This really did occur. These two men who stood by them in white apparel, most people would think, or most commentators would describe them as angels, said to those witnessing, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Well, wouldn't we be amazed if any one of you, let's say we all went outside and one of you started ascending, um, we, we would be wondering about this. You know, I, I think the angels probably realize that, yeah, this is an amazing thing. I heard one speaker uh, comment on this question at one time. It may be it's something for you to consider. Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Um, there's work to be done, was his answer, this speaker. And indeed, there was work to be done. The church was about to be established, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, and, and the uh, development of the church, which which, of course, took some years. So, um, yeah, we can just look at this incredible sight, but now it's your responsibility with the help of the Lord to fulfill plans that the Lord has for you. You know, despite eyewitnesses, um, there are people that deny you know, absolute proof you know, you know, think of all the eyewitnesses with the resurrection. Where is that? 1 Corinthians 15. Hundreds of witnesses. More recently, think of the Holocaust. Um, we, we've got video on people suffering, Jews suffering, being killed. 9-11, um, even though we have film showing that that actually occurred, there are deniers. And so it shouldn't surprise us that there are going to be deniers of God's truth even today. And yet we know from God's word that yes, this really did occur. We can take great comfort in, in that. There are six terms at least, and I'm glad I added at least because Andy in his reading had at least one more. I think it was lifted up that you had used. In addition, and there are probably no doubt uh, there are others that have reference to the ascension, and here they are up on the screen. Now, as I've been studying these six terms, it occurred to me that they have a little bit of a different angle, each one of them, as to the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, for instance, uh, we read in 1 Timothy 3.16, 3.16, that the Lord Jesus was received up into glory. Imagine the reception that must have been. Think of all of the cloud of witnesses, uh, 
actually, maybe some of them weren't there quite yet. Yeah, I think they were once the Lord rose. So you've got the cloud of witnesses, Hebrews chapter 12. You've got the principalities and powers. Um, you've got God the Father. What a royal welcome that must have been. So that's just one side to the ascension and consequent uh, exaltation. We have uh, the, the words carried up. Uh, carried up by whom, we might ask. And in other places, we read that um, angels, it was Psalm 68 that we're going to look at in a few minutes. Uh, the, the Lord Jesus was carried up, not carried away. Now, in Luke 16, we see Lazarus. This is before the resurrection of Christ. Lazarus was carried away into Abraham's bosom. We also read that Enoch in Genesis, I think it's chapter 6, was carried away. They went to that abode where, yes, they were true believers, but there was a waiting for the resurrection of Christ and for the dead to come out of those graves that we read in Matthew's gospel. So the Lord Jesus was carried up by who? Most likely angels. Was he physically carried up? It's hard to know. Uh, some writers use the term escorted. Maybe that's the best term to, to stick with right, right now. Uh, it gives, the, it poses the question, the moment we die to go home to be with the Lord, will there be angels uh, escorting us? Uh, August Van Ryan uh, raises that in one of his commentaries. Something interesting to, to think about. So here is one, then, there are different perspectives and aspects of the ascension and exaltation that we can study out on our own. Exaltation, the definition of that or perhaps more, some questions could be asked. Uh, where are we talking about? The place. To what position is the Lord Jesus Christ elevated to? We read terms like far above all, on high, highly exalted. Don't you just love, like Philippians chapter 2, the Lord Jesus is not just exalted, but highly exalted. And uh, Ephesians chapter 1 talks about far above all principality and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. So an incredible place. I think of the heavens, the expanses of which boggle our mind. Our Lord is far above that. Just what does that mean? As we go home to be with him and to see him as he is, we're going to get a clear picture of that 
place he truly occupies. I would put before you, though, that this exaltation um, means now that the Lord Jesus has different roles, if we can call it that. I've given some of them right here. He has given gifts unto men, Ephesians 4, 8. He is the head of the church. He is our intercessor, our advocate. Um, One writer puts it from Romans chapter 8. He uh, is our counselor for the defense. He stands by us when the accuser comes and wants to pull us down before God and discredit us before God. He is the sustainer, controller, preparing a glorious presence for us, John chapter 14, and he is the sanctifier uh, of us. He is more and more changing us from glory unto glory, transforming us into his his image. Now, just one of these things alone is mind-boggling that our Lord, say, would be interceding for each one of us. Uh, Each one of us, uh, as a sinner, we're a real trip, aren't we? As we've got that flesh residing in us, and Dave, I have your name right. We were talking a little bit about that during the break. Um, The Lord knows us in our weaknesses, and yet he's interceding for us. That for who knows how many believers, that in addition to all of these, and maybe there are many other things we can add to the list. It's incredible. Now, our second point is that prophecies have been fulfilled. Um, it's, it, is, it is something when we consider prophecy and can get an encouraging word just knowing that the ascension and exaltation have been fulfilled. So, for instance, Psalm 68. We can turn there to verse 18. Psalm 68, verse, we'll start at 17. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men. Now here it is. Um, He received gifts upon ascending. But then in Ephesians 4, verse 11, he gave gifts to men. So he received them, the Lord Jesus, as a result of his ascension And then he, in turn, dispersed them to to men. Isaiah 52, 13, um, the perfect servant. We're not going to read that passage, but uh, very well known. He shall be exalted. When you look up in a Strong's Concordance, that word exalted means he ascended. He was promoted to glory. He was taken up. Extolled, that means magnified, glorified, exalted, uh, 
very high. We've already described that far above all principality, power, and so forth. So what great encouragement we can find from prophecies that have been fulfilled. A Christian mathematician, um, this is going back a number of years now, Dr. Peter Stoner, who is now with the Lord, he looked at just 11 prophecies concerning the birth of Christ. Just 11 prophecies. And what's the probability of those being fulfilled hundreds of years later? He used the number one in a septillionth worth. Okay, that's one followed by 27 zeros. You would have a better chance, as Dr. Rob Lindstedt puts it, he looked at it from a different angle. If you took a cube 80 miles, going 80 miles high, two, filled it with dimes, marked one of those dimes, and then one of you were blindfolded and went and picked one of those, you know, first try, that marked dime. If you got it, you'd have a better chance of doing that than actually uh, 11 prophecies concerning the birth of Christ taking place. It's, it's tremendous. We take great encouragement. This indeed is the word of God. When our weather forecasters have trouble predicting even what it's going to be like as far as weather this afternoon, or hurricanes, uh, what was it, Irma, you know, who really surprised us some years ago. Uh, man, how come he can't prophesy or foretell? That's because he's not God who inhabits eternity. Well, we have to move on to our third aspect of the topic. What were the outcomes for the Godhead? Well, Philippians 2, again, uh, most of you know this passage really, really well. Um, the Father, if you remember from Philippians 2.11, to the glory of God the Father. The Father has been glorified through this work that the Lord Jesus has done. Humbling himself, becoming obedient unto the death of the cross. He is now exalted. What came in between? Well, the ascension. Okay, that's not included there. Nor is the resurrection. But they are in between his death and his exaltation. The Lord Jesus is given a name that is above all other names. That had the name of Jesus, so forth. Okay? So this is something different. The Son of God, absolutely exalted. You've got the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. Now who, if I may say it this way, I... I hope I'm not incorrect, but there is a new role that the Spirit of God has, too, in that now uh, the manifestation of gifts given through the Spirit. And you would find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
verse 7. Uh, manifestation means an expression or exhibition of the Spirit of God comes through gifts given to every believer who has at least one gift. So what is the inference for the believer? Uh, certainly to exercise that gift. And to me, that's a great encouragement. When a gift is nurtured, more and more you see God at work in us through the manifestation of the Spirit. And the more we are obedient to Him and exercising our gifts, um, it can be a great encouragement to see God using us as vessels, hopefully, fit for the master's use. So for the believer, Ephesians 4, verse 7, uh, what Brother Bill McDonald mentions, there is a twin truth that we have in this passage, 4, 7 through 11. Every gift, um, every believer, rather, has been given a, a gift. And then a little later on, we see the second aspect of that uh, twin truth. There have been specific gifts, uh, shepherding, teaching, evangelists, given for the edification of the body of Christ. And sometimes, um, you know, if a gospel message is given here, you know, someone by an evangelist, one who has the gift of evangelization, well, there may not be any saved amongst us. But still, when someone is giving the gospel and using that gift of evangelization, it can be a great encouragement to us as believers, realizing where we were, what we've been brought from, um, and Again, evangelization can be, evangelists can be used for the edifying of the body of Christ as we read in uh, Ephesians 4. And of course, it is important to bring, um, invite unsaved to the meetings. And of course, many of us know uh, various assemblies have special gospel meetings, certainly important. But uh, the gospel message can be very encouraging to us as believers. First um, Peter 5, 6, we don't have a lot of time to look into that. What a tremendous passage that is. Just uh, read that. Here is a little inference from First Peter Five, verse 6. We are to humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So there's a little bit, a lesson in, in spiritual direction here. In order for us to be exalted, we must first humble ourselves, yield, submit, um, being obedient to the word of God. This word exalt in 1 Peter 5, 6 is not the same word as exalt in Philippians chapter 2, by the way. Uh, the Lord Jesus was exalted with that name that is above every other name. 
and according to vine, Philippians 2, 9, that means the Lord Jesus was elevated above all others, okay? So when we are exalted, no, it's not like we're better than anyone else, no. Uh, it means this word, 1 Peter 5, 6, exalt, means there is a spiritual uplifting. Uh, that's what, uh, as a result of humbling ourselves. If you have read the classic Calvary Road, The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian, he brings out early on that brokenness is an essential aspect of living that life of Christ, of being spiritually uplifted. If you have not read that book yet, I urge you to do so. It gives you some great insights. Brokenness is an essential aspect of living out the Christian life, and we're constantly <laughs> having to deal with that throughout each day, yielding, submitting, humbling ourselves, clothing ourselves, with humility. And so what is our response? Number one, the exercise of spiritual gifts, as we noted 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now, there may be something, someone, I should say, here that says, I don't have really anything to offer. Well, you're going a little contrary to God's word because he's given everyone a gift. And I noted verse 22 up there. Even the feeble members are more necessary. Even the feeble, weaker members are more necessary. Sometimes it involves those behind the scenes, prayer warriors, and so, so forth. Um, we are all partners, should be partners in the work fellow laborers. As an assembly, there is fellowship. We're all in this together, and the Lord has assigned us, he has given us gifts in order to complete this, this work he wants for the church, the local church, the church universal, to do. Think of some of the inner organs that we have. You know, uh, I would not want to see a, a pancreas put out here on the floor. You know, it would be pretty, pretty gross. But if you were um, to lack a pancreas, you know pancreatic cancer, you, you know it, don't you? That organ which is hidden, um, which may seem to be feeble, it is absolutely necessary to, to life. Colossians 3 one four. Where is our true affection? That's another question that has come to my mind lately. And is it where he, the Lord Jesus, is seated on the right hand of God, exalted? Are we looking to him? Hebrews 12.2. Looking unto Jesus continually. Is he truly our life? Christ our life. I had a colleague where I used to teach, Christian. He said, music is my life. And I had to think about that for a while. Yeah, music is important to my life. But is it my life? 
Is our job our life? Our life? Is our hobbies? Living for the next weekend? <laughs> for vacation? For pleasure? Food? I live to see that next meal. Uh, are all of these, and many, they're good things that God has given to us to enjoy richly. But it begs the question, is Christ our life? Is he really top priority for us? And that's something we can discover. He'll reveal that to us as we search his word daily. And we have an open heart ready to submit to his good and perfect will. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, you will find to the believer there is immense power available. There is resurrection power. I would suggest to you ascension power as well, but certainly exaltation power available to those who believe. Ephesians 1, 19. There is power to us who believe, but that means there's a responsibility from us. We must trust in him to see us through each and every day, throughout the day. Sometimes we say, take it one day at a time. Uh, I knew a person who just say, I, I take it almost a minute at a time or an hour. At a time. We need that, to depend on me, looking to him. And we have that tremendous power available to us. Um, incredible what he has given to us. Romans 8.34, we've already uh, referred to that essentially. But notice this word also. He also makes intercession for us. Of all the numbers of believers, you know, what a job that is. But it, it's almost like, oh, by the way, the Lord Jesus makes intercession for us. Um, he is there, ready to be for us, to give us that grace to help in time of need. And not only the Lord Jesus, but in Romans chapter 8, look at if God be for us, that includes the Father. We also have the Holy Spirit. He is for us interceding. We are so richly blessed as believers. And what need do we have of anything else, anyone else but him? So hopefully these few thoughts concerning the ascension, exaltation of our Lord Jesus Christ can be a help and encouragement to you. Search the scriptures a little more thoroughly than what I did. I wanted to just give you a thumbnail sketch of this, these two beautiful topics. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for these subjects that You reveal to us in Scripture. Again, it comes back to Thy grace. You graciously have bestowed so much upon us, even power to live the Christian life. We cannot do it in ourselves. We depend on Thee. Enable us, O God, to further trust Thee, depend on Thee for what You would have us to do each and every day that You give us. For it's in Christ's name. Amen.